and welcome to episode 217 of the Waters Wave Then podcast. I'm your host, Wei Shen, and as usual, I have Tony with me here today. Hey, Tony, what's happening? Um, well, I just watched some of the, uh, the, the second presidential debate here in the U.S., so it's coming up in uh, a little under two weeks. And, you know, I, I promise this isn't political in any way, shape, or form. Uh, <laughs> last night, I was up watching... The uh, there's a Netflix documentary about the the space shuttle Challenger, the uh, disaster, the the spaceship that blew up. Um, It had a school teacher on board. So I was in school at that time. So many kids across the U.S. watched this happen live and just a truly traumatic, devastating event. Uh, Mm. But then uh, Reagan came on afterwards and delivered a, a very famous speech, touched the face of God speech. And it was just. It was a perfect, I think a Washington Post columnist said it was a perfect speech at the perfect time. Watching politics now, watching the presidential debate, both guys, I do not feel inspired. Like, I, I can't wait till I watch a president again and feel inspired. Like, uh, Reagan, he was a great speaker. Clinton, great speaker. H.W. Bush, you could hate him. But again, the man he could connect with you after 9-11 man could connect with you. And then Obama, one of the greatest presidential speeches I've ever seen was uh, candidate Obama in Philadelphia talking about race relations. Look it up on YouTube. One of the greatest speeches I've ever seen a president deliver. The two gentlemen that we have running for office this year do not, uh, they do not move me whenever I hear them talk. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but so that's how I am wish. And I'm sorry, but thankfully I am not a great order. And I don't know thankfully. how to say that word. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not thankfully. Thankfully for our listeners, I'm not talking much. We have a guest on this week. Right, <laughs> Wei Shen? Yes, as promised, we have a guest on for you this week. He is Victor Alexiv, the Director and Head of Programs and Strategic Partnerships for City Ventures in Asia Pacific. So we get in a little bit about uh, how City Ventures actually works, uh, some of the projects that they're running, and basically they're they are approach and process into building that out um yeah no it sounds it sounds like really interesting um similar to what uh han's on before some of what uh bill uh, bill murphy had talked about a lot mm. before but interesting to come at it from somebody that's in that particular role of these are this is a um at a bank looking at what are the cutting edge unique opportunities that are going to be available? How do we invest in them? How do we also educate people to, you know, in that firm and, and kind of build them out, right? It, it, that That's kind yep. of the interesting thing. Yep, yep. So without wasting any more time, let's get right to it. Absolutely. Until next week. See you later. Okay, today we're joined by Victor Alexiv, Director and Head of Programs and Strategic Partnerships for City Ventures, APAC. Hi, Victor. Welcome on the podcast. Hi, Wei-Shin. Good to be here. How have you been doing? I, I see that you're at the office right now. Yeah, pretty good, uh, especially uh, in the, on the account of having small kids. I'm very glad to be back to the office. <laughs> I hear that there has been uh, quite a bit of a problem, I think, especially since kids have been, you know, been essentially homeschooled for most of this year. Yeah, but at least we, we've been only getting better uh, here in Singapore, <laughs> so I'm happy for that. That's good. And, and plus a, a travel bubble between Hong Kong and Singapore could open up pretty soon. Wait and see. 
uh, I think uh, this year, one thing that we learned is that uh, being agile and flexible is, is very, <laughs> very important. No big plans, <laughs> no long-term plans. That's right. All short-term, day by day. we got to live every day, day by day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. I thought we could actually talk a little bit about CD Ventures and uh, what you guys have been, have been up to. So... Perhaps to start with, could you give an, an overview uh, of City Ventures, how you differentiate yourselves from you know, other uh, labs out there? Um, so first and foremost, we're, we're not a lab. Um, you know, City has a number of labs mm -hmm. uh, which are essentially focused on uh, you know, continuous improvement, uh, picking up new technology, experimenting with, with external third-party technology as well. Uh, City Ventures has a specific role um, in, in one way, we bring the outside in uh, by collaborating uh, with the external ecosystems, by collaborating with a number of uh, technology organizations, startups, uh, and, and others. Um, and I will mention a little bit uh, later how we do that. On the other side, also, we try to use City as a platform uh, to create impact for clients and other stakeholders, uh, you know, some of it uh, having to do with the uh, kind of impact, vision, and mission uh, of City, uh, and some of it having to do with just growing uh, the ecosystem and the uh, kind of uh, um, stakeholders around us uh, through the platform of City. Uh, now, in terms of uh, kind of pillars of activity, City Ventures has three broadly organized around investment, uh, exploration, uh, and uh, learning essentially. Uh, mm -hmm. So investment focuses on, we, we have a you know, typical uh, corporate venture capital arm that collaborates with and invests in uh, <clears throat> technology companies predominantly. Uh, those are all strategic investment investments. We, we don't lead. Um, also, we're not extremely active in Asia. In fact, for example, we don't have feet on the ground for the investment unit yet in Asia, but we do have uh, you know, some interests managed from uh, you know, London and, and, and the US. Uh, we also have our uh, DTNX uh, venture builder, uh, which is essentially focused on exploring mood shots, new problem statements, client-centric uh, essentially initiatives that um, we look at in order to create growth opportunities for City uh, that are disproportionate, so to say, uh, to the investment uh, made. And a lot of those, of course, as, you know, as, as it could be naturally uh, perceived, are uh, you know, connected to some of the investments uh, that we make. Uh, so essentially leveraging the collaboration with the startups that we've invested. Uh, and some of those are just independent greenfield builds. Um, and then last but not least, uh, our kind of learning unit, which is called Studio. It features uh, things like emerging technology, uh, where we explore technologies that are about to become uh, mature within the next three to five years uh, and what the implications for the financial industry is, uh, as well as, uh, you know, other social trends. So we have Cupid, for example, which is a program where we engage non-traditional talent for the banking sector, uh, as we believe that diversity and, and inclusion of talent is, is the way to go. Uh, and, and City has been you know, very strongly behind that kind of uh, uh, mission. Uh, so that's probably City Ventures. Um, in a sense, as I mentioned, uh, it brings an outside perspective. It stretches the horizon, so helps kind of City seniors uh, um, get a perspective 
from types of projects which generally the the so to say core performance engine cannot engage with uh, due to the uh, operational targets, uh, as well as uh, kind of broadens the ecosystem of, of collaboration for us. Right, right. And then just on that, that last point, uh, when you're talking about the studio there, uh, you, you said that uh, you work with non-traditional talent. I mean, could you give us some examples of that? Uh, I mean, in, in, in Asia, we're just starting uh, a few programs. Uh, in Nam, for example, we've been bringing in uh, you know, people from uh, communities that are underprivileged, for example, and uh, providing them exposure to the industry and giving them internships, project-based internships, which, you know, upgrades their skills, helps with the resume, but also helps us learn a bit more about their needs and, and, and talent. Uh, we've been working with, uh, you know, bringing into, like, for example, banking internships for, uh, you know, folks with history majors and arts and, and etc like things that usually the industry overlooks but uh, as we get into this kind of like new economy we find that uh, are quite important uh, and so um, that helps us both bring a different perspective but also engage uh, a new uh, segment of talent uh, and also potentially and hopefully make a difference for their lives so um, yeah uh, but that's you know um, a specific program within Studio. Studio has a number of uh, of different initiatives. Um, yeah. Would you say most of since you since you mentioned earlier the investment part has an is is kind of like run out of uh, I mean for Asia anyways still kind of run out of uh, the UK. Uh, so is is most of the work uh, for CD Ventures in within the D10X space? In the UK and US, yes, it's predominantly in Asia. We're active in the DTNX space. We have a number of uh, kind of other uh, programs, talent programs externally and internally that we run, uh, but a lot of those connect back to the uh, kind of venture builder or discover 10x as we uh, call it. Okay. So could you give us some examples of like some of the projects that uh, D10X or Discover 10X is, is, has been working on? And uh, in terms of uh, perhaps new technologies that uh, this group has has been looking at and how that impacts the business models that uh, at either at city or you know to other parties out there um i mean i i wouldn't want to go into too much detail uh but uh, you know you're probably aware there's you know public information around proximity which is something that recently uh was spun out as a consortium for example which was incubated uh within d10x uh it's essentially a, a proxy voting uh, platform for uh, uh, for custodians mm -hmm. uh, and you know we went through the whole cycle there the, the colleagues in in London uh, from you know having an idea originate from a team uh, on the ground in operations actually in, in security service operations through maturing it validating it uh, having its first clients uh, and and then becoming its own thing uh, there's also uh, a similar kind of background story behind something called the trade information network again a public uh, public domain knowledge. Um, it's essentially, uh, you know, a, a solution that uh, or a consortium of leading U.S. banks that enables uh, uh, the banks to fund uh, um, uh, based on purchase orders. So earlier in the life cycle of uh, um, uh, of funding needs uh, for clients, which essentially is quite helpful, especially in times like now. Um, uh, and you have spoken to one of my colleagues recently around, uh, you know, social media signal mining uh, tool, uh, which looks for, um, which looks for, let's say, 
price impact, so supply side and demand side impact uh, uh, that uh, could uh, move uh, price of a commodity. Um, so we find those quite uh, quite interesting. There's also, you know, in Asia, for example, we have you know between twelve, uh, ten and twelve projects uh, at the moment. Um, most of them have the same pedigree. Essentially, they start from a, a client need or, or a client benefit that we would like to create. Um, and, and there's a couple of projects which are slightly more more technical. You asked about technology. Uh, in most cases, I mean, we're we're all geeks uh, a bit in, in my team, but we're also whole entrepreneurs. Uh, so we we realize the 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 value of technology, but also we realize that that value um, follows a sound uh, you know problem uh, solution fit and a sound business model. Uh, so. Um, in, in, in most cases, uh, we start with the domain of the problem, try to understand how it gets created, you know, what are the, the jobs that people are trying to do uh, and, and how we can help. And then we think about technology. And, and interestingly, uh, you know, there's, there's most of the um, solutions that we find don't necessitate uh, kind of emerging technology, but in some times, for example, if you look at the kind of long-term sustainability uh, uh, then, then you'd, you'd rather. So, for example, you know, you ask me which technologies we, we find interesting. I think for the industry, I mean, given the fact that the industry is, is probably, from a technical point of view, a few years behind uh, less regulated industries, uh, you know, we, 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 we are still very keen on, uh, you know, distributed ledger and, and, and machine learning and AI uh, as, as things that are right now getting into uh, production, so to say, uh, use cases. Um, but, you know, as I said, like what we've realized is that many of the problem statements that can be resolved through through leveraging these technologies don't necessitate them. They can be resolved through other you know, means as well, but maybe not as elegantly and sustainably and scalably. Um, so, yeah. OK, um, then in, in that case, so how would you when, when you look at a problem to solve, for example, um, and, and as you mentioned, Sure, uh, AI, machine learning, DLT could definitely bring that problem or could help solve that problem at scale and, uh, and, and sustainably too, but there are other methods to do so. I mean, could you give me an example of how, uh, what, what, what would that look like? And in terms of like in looking far ahead, like should the problem be solved first? I mean, how would you tackle it? Should the problem be solved first and then later on you would implement uh, those more sustainable technologies or you know how what what is your thinking around that well first and foremost i think is is pattern recognizing human beings we're kind of like very keen on shiny shiny little objects um <laughs> so the moment we we are faced with a problem we jump very quickly to solutions and and very often i don't think we fail to understand the problem well enough uh so our focus in the beginning is to make sure that we do understand the problem how the problem comes about uh, we frame the problem in a way that it can be solved and we validate that uh, not only that the problem exists, but also who specifically has the problem. So uh, in a sense, like for something to be a product or a project for us that, that we spent considerable amount of time, we need to make sure that it's, uh, it exists, uh, it's appropriately structured and solvable. Uh, and we do have a clear uh, client stakeholder uh, in place and also that there is a natural fit to Sydney. So, for example, I mean, maybe we're not very well positioned to, you know, uh, 
bring out a new lemonade brand. Uh, but when it comes to you know enabling uh, you know various products uh, in the security services space or you know providing uh, you know uh, an interesting new platform for different type of uh, uh, lending structure, uh, um, that's something that we could look at. Um, so defining the problem, as I said, is it, it comes first, um, making sure that there is an early adopter client. Um, and sometimes that might start internally. Uh, I mean, we have projects where we've looked in a space, uh, you know, specifically, for example, in the securities lending domain, um, where um, it's it's pretty clear where there is an emerging new client segment, and, and we know that we want to spend more time there, but um, we also want to make sure that we approach our clients with, with things that are mature. Uh, and so, you know, we've done some pre-work Kind of dog fooding uh, or uh, essentially um, creating a solution that that we can consume, and then once that is mature, uh, you know we then of course this happens in parallel with dialogues to clients, but then we can think of piloting something uh, because as as uh, you know you probably know very well uh, the uh, kind of uh, um, efficacy uh, and and safety and security of, of of the solutions we work on has to be there at the moment they become. A, a material uh, product, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So, in the beginning, and, and, the, and the problem is, that I think many people in this you don't understand that that when 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 you start, you know, dealing commercially and 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 you know, establishing a product and, and having a, a you know a, a, a proper commercial relationship, uh, you know, things need to be scalable and robust and and everything. But there is this whole period in between where you need to make sure that you're doing the right thing and the problem exists and it has a client. And and sometimes I think the industry tends to approach the entire life cycle as the same thing. Uh, so we're, we're scrappy in the beginning of it. And then as things mature and as we start getting certain, we become very uh, you know serious and, and, and effective. Could you give me an example <clears throat> of that? Uh, Many of the projects that we run start off as manually assisted prototypes. Uh, you know, sometimes, for example, the more fancy parts are cut off, uh, and where you could have automation if you're trying to test the cycle of a transaction, for example, if you're trying to learn about the customer interaction, you might actually remove the automation component and and replace it with more robust and and kind of reliable uh, uh, pipes and processes. I mean, even for example, the uh, you know the product that you discussed with uh, with my colleague around uh, you know price shock detection, uh, initially um, was set up around um, you know it wasn't looking at streaming data, it wasn't looking at uh, um, uh, strong uh, decision support uh, kind of uh, um, environments. It was it was predominantly looking at trying to detect. Uh, certain emerging or breaking news uh, earlier on uh, and being able to uh, basically pass them through, filter them and pass them through to the um, uh, essentially consumers of, of this content uh, through the most uh, uh, appropriate channel. And in this case, for example, we use Symfony. Mm -hmm. Right, but then these things mature. They they get uh, you know more complexity, more sophistication uh, as we gain confidence and, and understanding of the end user interaction. Okay, um, and just looking at problems within the industry, or maybe even at within city itself. I mean, what are the big 
the the main what are some of the major ones that you uh, that uh, CD Ventures and DTNX have like identified to perhaps start looking at solutions for? Um, I mean, so there's there's the way we think of it. The, the problems are specific things that are you know sometimes relatively micro, right? And they they can represent you know individual business opportunities. Uh, the more the bigger things are are we call themes, right? And those are things within which many problems may exist, right? That you can have uh, uh, a million businesses started uh, in the context of sustainable finance, for example. Uh, you could have uh, you know a, a lot of uh, implications to finance uh, when you look at let's say machine to machine transactions. Uh, you can have so so. You know the way we look at it um, is periodically we define themes that we are interested in exploring, and that's a combination between um, uh, you know of course the, the local market conditions. So, for example, in my region, I have a different set of, of things that I find interesting, and the market responds to well than my colleagues, for example, in EMEA and Nam. Um, so, speaking for Asia, for example, we are um, very interested in the life cycles of securities once they get tokenized. Uh, so we're looking at a plethora of, of, of uh, interesting challenges and opportunities there. And as you can imagine, that's that's a whole big segment being transformed and, and there's a lot of you know regulation and legislation moving parts. So you can't really you know run too big and too too ambitious experiments there. But whenever there's pools of opportunity and right partners, for example, we work with you know both clients and exchanges to find out how much can we learn and what type of products and services can we design around a tokenized ecosystem? Uh, we, last year, actually, around this time, we released a paper with one of my colleagues here uh, um, with the SIFMA as well and, and a number of other industry leaders there around securities tokenization. I would uh, you know, recommend uh, just having a, a look into it. Um, but, but that's the way we, like, we see the, the space and the different values and the opportunities, but also the many problems that can be resolved. Uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, sustainable finance, uh, basically, you know, in, and right now we kind of throw a blanket on it and call it ESG, I think, in, in, in many parts of the industry. But there's many opportunities there in terms of, for example, how do you provide, you know, funding to, like, how do you make sure that funding trickles further down into supply chains, which is something that uh, actually we're working with uh, uh, UNDP and, and, uh, and, and Copenhagen FinTech right now. And you might see some articles coming up uh, uh, in a collaboration uh, you know, in a, in a number of problem statements, this being one that that city uh, endorses. Uh, how do you make sure that um, you know you can categorize and track uh, assets appropriately in terms of the impact that they create? Uh, uh, you know, so for example, you know, uh, does my company uh, reduce carbon emissions, uh, reforestate, protect habitat, provide equal opportunity? Uh, uh, you know, uh, ensure that uh, there's uh, racial diversity and fairness, etc., etc., etc. Uh, you know, and, and, and what does that mean for investors? Like, how do you help investors uh, project uh, their values, for example, through their portfolios? Those are interesting concerns that we're looking at uh, broadly. How do, you, um, how do you support more fair, uh, um, um, you know, funding environments locally? Uh, how do you ensure that, for example, uh, renewable energy markets uh, are... Um, you know, appropriately, like so, so. There's, there's obviously going to be uh, a bigger push towards sustainability and renewable energy. I think, you know, many people who have been able to deny 
the implications of uh, you know of, of our activity, industrial activity on climate are are having a, a bit of a run for their money nowadays. Uh, so the urgency and importance of of, of climate related uh, um, kind of uh, structures of uh, of, of energy generation and, and, and carbon capture are, are getting more and more uh, interesting. And then how do you create funding models to enable all that, right? So, so those are all different themes uh, and, and areas where we're looking at. But as I mentioned, like problems, you could have multiple different problem statements within each of those uh, and probably spend a lifetime exploring them. Uh, so we pick the ones that are higher value, higher interest to our clients and higher chance of us succeeding in. So is that, does that then mean that uh, a lot of times when before you, you actually start a project, you have to already be speaking with some of your clients or th those who will essentially be using this solution? You know, because I, I, I think um, when, when I was speaking with uh, your colleague uh, earlier this week, um, he, he did mention that, you know, obviously you don't want to create something, you know, six, it takes you guys six months to build something up and then you, you go to the business and they're like, yeah, we're not going to use this. Um, you know, so how... How does that uh, relationship work? And then also moving on to, to into some of your partnerships, uh, you know, how do you decide what are what are the criteria that you look at when uh, you know you're deciding a, for example, as you mentioned, uh, okay, we're going to use uh, Symphony's platform to do this or somebody else's technology for or, or platforms. You know, how what is the what is the thought process uh, around that? So in terms of you know, client interactions, I mean, we have, you know, two main uh, kind of ways to think about it. Uh, you know, some things are kind of origination oriented. So we work together with a client to solve a problem. Sometimes clients come to us, you know, with a problem at hand. Uh, uh, and that, that's, we love that, right? We, we love the idea of actually being able to help. Um, uh, sometimes we work on a more validation kind of uh, basis, which is uh, we have a hypothesis uh, we have a, a area which we've identified as an opportunity area. We have a, a, a theory who potentially might benefit, who might be a client to this, uh, and then we have to go and talk to them. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, I mean the innovation community uh, in Singapore is pretty vibrant. In other places as well, we we meet each other, we we you know talk to each other around various other things, and and then you know opportunities emerge from that as well. So essentially. You know, you might be having drinks with someone who, you know, works for a you know, telco company and they can say, well, we're looking at like, how do we actually enable, you know, near field transaction between different, uh, you know, machines or different things that, that hold SIM cards. And then you're like, ah, you know, crap, this could create a very interesting KYC problem. And then you go and you spend a little bit of time researching it and, and then, you know, uh, try to join forces and see if this is something that... Um, <clears throat> presents an opportunity for a new product or a new capability. Um, so these are, 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 you know, fun and they are slow burn in the sense that they kind of happen in the background and then once you have sufficient confidence, you, you can jump in, you know, full force. Uh, but in most cases, like, we have data, right, in the sense that we have data that there is a certain client segment that is emerging, but we are not necessarily able to or our clients are not offering product to. So how do we enable that? Uh, or you have, uh, you know, new products and services frequently enabled by the existence of new technology. Uh, and you look at clients that you're already working with and say, okay, I mean, how can I offer more to them? How can I provide them with more value? And those are more tangible because, as I mentioned, you have data and you know 
you can measure the potential impact or improvement. Uh, but both of these happen uh, in parallel. Uh, we tend to be quite curious. The only thing is to make sure that we kind of balance between, uh, you know, material business problems uh, that are impactful in the, you know, midterm and kind of uh, curiosities and learning. And I encourage both in my team, uh, but, you know, we need a balance. How big is your team and how, uh, how are you looking to grow, maybe particularly in Asia? So it's, it's expandable. We have, you know, pretty much a core team of six here in Singapore. And we have, you know, a number of people uh, across the region with whom we work in different capacity. Um, you know, uh, some other are kind of lab uh, type uh, technical uh, folks that work with us closely. Uh, others, uh, you know, provide connectivity to the business. Uh, so we have a better understanding of, of what happens in the market. Um, we, like the way that, that CityVenture, D10X in particular, the way that it works is that um, it, it shouldn't scale too much, right? We cannot be a, a big um, bother uh, for City. Uh, otherwise, we would be distracting uh, too much, I guess. Um, we, we, we need a we need a uh, a core set of, of uh, you know individuals that understand the subject matter of the business and understands the the way that the bank operates and understands the client ecosystem uh, and manages a portfolio rather than owns a portfolio fully right uh, and what that means is essentially because one of the key benefits that we create outside of, of potentially you know uh, you know building PNL or, or building uh, assets uh, is the Kind of like capabilities and, and somewhat eye-pokey uh, transformation of, of the business uh, from a cultural and technological standpoint. And what that means is basically uh, when you try to do something new uh, and you try to do it in a way that a startup would try to do it, all of a sudden you discover a lot of things that are working and a lot of things that might not be working. And if you bring enough people uh, from the business on that journey and, and you know, traditionally uh, probably about a uh, you know half of our team members, or if not more, are actually people who have a, another type of day job, but are joined with us as subject matter experts, as as as, as support, as uh, enablers, so to say. Uh, so, as they go that journey with us, they learn a lot about the organization, but they also learn and in, both in terms of shortcoming and strengths, and and they're able to transform the business accordingly, even if the projects do not succeed. I mean. In the end, as I mentioned, we, we're, we're doing moonshot work. We're doing new product development. There is non-trivial chance of failure or essentially non-trivial chance of, of some of the ideas not being commercially viable, interesting enough, uh, or a good enough fit for the bank, which means they will be shut down. Uh, and that's, I would say, three quarters of the projects that we run. Now, how do you make sure that these three quarters of the projects that you run, even though shut down, still bring positive externalities to the business like for example learning like for example exposure to new technologies like for example connectivity within the technical and client ecosystem connectivity within the bank especially because we operate across the franchise which means that very often we get people from different parts of the organization who would naturally not work together to mm -hmm. sit in a room and understand each other's business um, so so all of those are positive externalities that that we we also value and that's why like the size of our team is less important it's the size of the group that we move with us that doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily uh, report directly to us that, that is more critical for us 
Okay, okay, I understand. Um, maybe as a last question, you know, uh, what technologies and maybe specific areas of those technologies are you currently geeking out on? So uh, we're spending a lot of time with, uh, you know, advanced data analytics, machine learning, uh, a bit of uh, natural language processing, uh, you know, trying to find to mine content for signals, essentially, internal and external content. Uh, and I think everybody in the industry is like, we, you know, has, has realized the amount of data that we have and how little of it we actually leverage. Um, so that's, that's definitely an area where we're spending quite a bit of time on. Um, we're spending quite a bit of time on um, DLT in general, broadly, um, and also in specific in terms of you know, provenance tracking, in terms of uh, the, you know, as I mentioned, the, the tokenized securities space. So essentially moving a lot of the traditional securities into smart contracts because that's an opportunity from, you know, from a custody perspective, from a servicing perspective, from an instrument perspective that, that I think will be transformational for the industry. Um, we are spending a bit of time in um, you know, building better sandboxes. Uh, so that's like more um, you know, infrastructure um, engineering, so to say, that enables us to partner easier uh, in a safe way. Uh, and, and we're exploring a lot of things there that, that basically just shortcut time for us to, to prototype and, and test things are safe and enable us to, to run more partnerships. Um, and when we're looking at also new organizational models, new industry organizational models, so that's completely non-technical, but you know you see that um, you see that the economic structure and industrial structure is changing uh, as a result of technology, uh, and we want to be uh, able to inform uh, the, our leaders in the bank on what that change means for how they should structure and govern their businesses. Uh, so we're quite excited. Okay. Okay, that's, that sounds really good. And uh, I think we will definitely have another conversation, a separate conversation about that. Um, but thank you for coming on the podcast this week. Thank you, Aisha, and appreciate the chat. Have a nice week, weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.